Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, I'm going to teach about some dimensions of grace. And I believe that grace is multi dimension. And so from where you are able to see or understand, there God will help you function and apply yourself for success in the world of men. And I believe that all of us who are here today are as a result of God's grace. Do you agree? The Bible says in John chapter 1, the 16th verse, such a wonderful portion of scripture. It says, and of his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. Of his fullness, we have all received grace for grace of his fullness. So that means if you are a believer, you have received grace because of the fullness that he has in you. The Bible tells us that he is the fullness that filleth all things. Yet of that fullness that filleth all things we have received. Who understands what I'm saying? God's fullness fills all things. Everything in the world has God in it, both the living and unliving. But yet the Bible says, of that fullness, you have what? Received. That means that the world is in your spirit. Everything created is actually of form and essence, nature or otherwise, in you by some sort of law, spiritually. So that's the reason why I don't believe that anything in the earth, anything your physical eye can see, cannot be tamed. In fact, the language of preaching the gospel, the literal word for preaching is taming. You shall preach this gospel to all creatures of the world. The word there for preaching is taming. You will tame all the creatures of the world. Every creature is not just talking about human beings. It's not limited to your father and mother and all who think like you. He said every creature. You shall tame every creature according to the gospel. The chair you're seated on can be tamed by you. 
What does it mean to tame? For things to work in the confines of your order or commandment. That's how God has called us to do or be. The gospel that we preach is to allow us communicate to everything in the world to come to the obedience of truth. It's a hard thing to think through, but yet it is eternally true. To even take time and think that all of these things in the world are actually with a consciousness that can be tamed. They are tameable. And God has given you the power through the gospel. So we don't just read the word just to go to heaven. Uh -uh. We know we're going to heaven. But while we're still on the earth, we have to leave a mark. Somebody shout hallelujah. And as we continue to preach to these things, they continue responding to us. Somebody say, I tame everything created by man and God to the obedience of truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Shout amen. So, when we bring this conversation of grace, the Bible says that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. Grace and truth came by Jesus. And then you study the life of Jesus Christ. And you see that he taught by the ministry of grace. He healed by the ministry of grace. He established by the ministry of grace. The way of salvation is the ministry of grace. For the Bible says we are saved by grace through faith. Everything in this world that should propel you to live a God life is all in the mystery of understanding how grace functions. It's the multi-graces or multiple of graces that function in our lives that define the full form and function of our individual ministry. In this world, if you never understand how to grow in grace, it means you'll be crippled in some of the functions that have already been given to you by God to function in this world. You'll be as one which is crippled spiritually. That's why Peter says, grow ye in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow ye in grace. God has not designed your life to say, oh, you know, this is all you can ever be. The spirit of liberty is not come to define the boundaries of how far you can go. In fact, its boundaries are only in the line of truth. That you'll exercise yourself in the liberties of truth. But anything within truth is accessible to any man through God. The Bible says if we ask anything according to his will, then we know that he heareth us. And if he heareth us, then we know that we have the petitions with which we ask. For example, it's the will of God for you to be healthy. So if you ask anything according to his will, if you pray for yourself and that disease refuses to leave, you have the right to wage war. Hey! You have the right to tell the devil, no! I know what my right is. I know that healing is the children's bread. I know that he was wounded for my transgressions. I know that he was bruised for my iniquities. 
I know that the chastisement of my peace was upon him. I know that by his stripes I was healed. I refuse to be sick. You even become angry with holy anger and take your healing by fire, by force. The Bible says that the kingdom of God suffereth violence. But when it becomes violent, the violent take it by force. Like one wise person said, sometimes you have to be a lion so you can stay the lamb you are. Are you following what I'm saying? Of course, God calls us to be humble down to earth. We don't seek war. We are peacekeepers. But when it comes on our door, we win. Somebody shout hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. When sickness comes, you win. When frustration comes, you win. Whatever trouble is on your door, you must understand. He always causes you to triumph. And he makes manifest the server of his knowledge by you in every place. In other words, God wants to show the world who he is. And he wants to reveal that through the mystery of wisdom as you demonstrate the power that that wisdom comes with to the world that men will understand that truly God lives among the living and that those who believe him are able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which they dare to ask or think by the power that works in them. Paul calls that power, that treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of power might be of God and not of us. The next line says, for which cause we do not work, faint, we're troubled on every side, we're beaten, we're perplexed, whatever it is. But the Bible says you're not destroyed. You can't die. It will come, disturb and go. It will come to pass. Somebody shout hallelujah. It won't come to stay. That's a fighter. So the Bible tells us that we don't drop back to perdition. We're them that believe to the saving of the soul. You start the journey, devil, we go. We go. We go. Until you give up. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody say, I am a fighter. So in revealing the dimensions of grace, and I'm going to reveal three. These are pillars that define grace. I need to take us a bit into understanding a few mysteries in the Hebrew language from where we get the Old Testament. And most of which is the sacred language of the Jews. We believe that that language and perhaps Aramaic, which are like sister and brother, are the oldest, most purest languages given by God to man. Why is it important for you to note it? Because remember in the Tower of Babel, when they rebel against God, and then he says, let us go down and confound them, that each man will not be able to hear each other. Many of the languages that are birthed at Babel are languages <laughs> inferior to the original one that God had given man. So perhaps if we are talking about the language that Adam and Eve spoke in the garden, this is the closest language that we can relate to as sacred. And because of that, if you study, I've taken some time to study some Hebrew. I might not claim to be an expert or master at it, but at least I've gotten a few things over the years that have helped me understand and appreciate this language. And like many Eastern religions, and languages, they write or read from the right to the left. Now that's important for you to understand you English speaker because you, 
you read and write from left to right. But yet, the world actually moves from this way to that way. The sun rises from the east and sets itself to the west. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there's a mystery. And in understanding the movement of things spiritually, it helps you understand how to position yourself in the way of the spirit. To study the text in that pattern. If you study church history, you realize that the move of the spirit comes from the east and starts to move all through to the west until he shall return back to the east in Jerusalem and the end should come. You see what I'm saying? So there's a mystery in understanding how things work and how the world word works. Every letter of the Hebrew language has its own meaning and interpretation of revelation. It's a place of access and understanding who God is. In fact, these letters also have numerical values. That's just how deep that language is. That's why Aries tells us that Hebrew is ninth dimensional. It is a language you need to study and understand from there and see just how many nuances, how many things God can reveal in just one simple sentence that sometimes your simple, pragmatic Luganda language might not be able to what? To interpret. In fact, when you look at our Englishes and these other languages that we're using, they become inferior. Your alphabet, how many letters has the alphabet? You see, 26? Uh-huh. And do you know those are just the first two letters of the Hebrew? Alphabet. A, B. So, your 26 who has understood it? Your 26 in all the revelation of words those letters could write is in the first two dimensions of Hebrew or Jewish thought. Are you following what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. Now, I want that we introduce to us the fifth letter of the alphabet called Hey. And the number five some of you who have read know it means grace. So, to understand, and the Lord started to show me the study, I took so long to understand because of how simple yet very deep in interpretation it is. And I'm asking God for the language to help me communicate this to you. That when you look at that letter, hey, that fifth letter, which also means grace. It is in studying this letter and how it has been used through scripture that I started to see the foundations or the dimensions of grace. And today I want to give you three main pillars of grace that are not only in the definition of that letter, but by implication in the language of God as he speaks to mankind, these dimensions are revealed or pillars are revealed in understanding that when you say that I need grace, I'm functioning in grace, I believe in grace, I receive the grace to take me to the next level. I connect to the grace operating on this woman or this man. This is exactly the foundation or the core dimensions that you need to relate to and interpret if you should function fully in the revelation of grace. And there are three. And I noticed that almost at the beginning, of this letter, if it is used in a word or sentence. Usually, when hey is used in a sentence or a word, and it is beginning a word specifically, usually it implies or speaks of the spirit or dimension of vision. 
That's a very important thing. Whenever it's used, not fully 100%, but most of the cases used, it's usually a place of revelation. It is divine window. Why do you need divine window? Because that's the language of access. Everything in the world that you do not see comes to the world that you see through specific windows. You remember when the Bible says in Malachi that you do your tithes and your offerings and what? And I've heard some preachers against tithes because they say that they are grace preachers because I want to understand how somebody can call tithe a legal requirement, mosaic, yet it came before and it was practiced hundreds of years before the law. So how do you say that the tithe is a law? Actually, tithe is a revelation. It's not a law. So when Moses later comes to get a hold of it, it was already practiced by our fathers, Jacob and Abraham, which were before the law. So when it talks about that place of tithes and what and what, and the Bible says, and I will open the windows of what? Heaven. And I will pour you out a what? A what? A blessing that there shall be no room enough to what? To receive it. He has used the word windows. Now, some of you, when we talk about windows, you think God is going to open and then pour you a car, pour you a house, pour you a shoe, pour you a dog, pour you everything because you're tithing. No, 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 no. That's not the language. When you study the literal word there, a blessing, it is more of a source of blessing. You see? So the English word, because it's alphabet, two-dimensional, language, it's two-dimensional, it does not really explain that the pouring out here is not a blessing that you're going to tithe or give in your church and God is going to give you a car and a house because you have given. That is why I tell people they should understand what the tithe means. But here he's saying, I will pour you out a source of blessing. And that source of blessing can come in form of an idea. It can come in form of an innovation. It can come in form of an invention. It can come in form of a concept because that's really the idea of core blessing when it comes to God. Some of you think you need money to parent and yet by God, you actually need the next idea for the world to answer a certain question in the healing of cancer. Some of you, you think that you need a car to go to your job and back, and that's what you think is the miracle of your life. But even non-believers have cars. Are you following what I'm saying? Non-believers have houses. Non-believers pay tuition. God wants to give you more than tuition. He wants to give you an idea that will change this world. He wants to give you a concept in your engineering field that will write a paper, a research paper, and will be approved in the world and adopted as a theory for anybody or everybody to function. That is the intention of God. So there are people who live in the realm of, I'm trying to get a car, I'm trying to get a job, I'm trying to get a who's band. Okay, yeah, you keep in that realm. But God is calling us to elevate and start to see things the way he sees them. Praise the Lord. Maybe you don't need the husband. Maybe you need a certain idea that should bring that man. Such so that when you marry, you just don't marry to satisfy the way of life. But you get married by purpose to fulfill divine assignment. Somebody shout hallelujah. So every time we talk about windows, we talk about the grace to access. The grace to access. And I've learned that actually, 
by divine order, the doors precede the windows. In fact, as windows are fifth dimensional realities, or the spirit of vision, so are doors fourth dimensional realities. It's actually embedded even in the number four in the Hebrew language. He gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Praise the Lord Jesus. And some doors precede what? Windows. And I've already told you, doors are open longer than windows. Are you following what I'm saying? Every time God wants to do something on the earth, there is a window spiritually that opens for God to do it. Nothing happens without a certain opening. You understand? Some call them portals. That's really windows. That's success. That's the spirit of vision. For a man to be able to see what others are not able to see. A prophet one time is in his own personal fellowship. And then he's carried by the spirit into heaven. A certain window he has accessed. And then he finds Elohim, Father, Son, and the Spirit, talking about whom to send for the next assignment on the earth. The Lord said, whom shall we send? And this fellow, even before he knows who they are sending and why they should send him, because he's in a place that very few men have gone, he says, send me, Lord. He interrupts a conversation at the end, and that's the kind of man who receives the assignment, and then later God explains to him the assignment he has received, but because he accessed a certain window in the spirit. And let me tell you, like Isaiah accessed that thing one day, there are people who stumble into places where God is planning to assign. Either deliberately because they know the way or they've understood God by pattern. If you understand God by pattern, you don't stumble into. In fact, if you understand God by pattern, you position yourself early such that when the oracle starts to speak assigning or giving mandate, you are available from the start to pick the full conversation. A man in that position is of greater understanding than a man who should fall into it but still be assigned. It's still better to fall into that assignment whether earlier or late than not being under any. Because I know many gifted people but without assignment spiritually. Paul called them busybodies. They're not wrong people but they're not assigned. That's how you separate the call from the chosen. Are you following what I'm saying? And some of you here listening to me, you might never understand the full vision of God concerning your life until he reveals fully to you what your assignment is. When the window of mandato assignment opens, it opens with many graces. And allow me to use that word. Because God seeks to perform and fulfill and vindicate. So is the spirit of godliness. The Bible says this is the spirit of the mystery of godliness. He says he was manifested in the flesh, comma, justified in the spirit. Many people do not know that when the spirit of godliness resides in you, or the mystery of godliness is a revelation to you, he will seek to justify you in the spirit. He will seek to vindicate you in the spirit. He will come from the sky as they're going to baptize, and he'll say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. That's a mandate that went core to the heart of every man around Jesus. They were not listening to Jesus because he had good words only, but they were listening to Jesus also because the spirit of God with its authority commanded all men to agree with every word that man spoke. Now that's another way to be introduced by God. 
It is one thing for you to speak because you are a mighty orator. But it's another to speak because God has introduced you. It's one thing for you to speak because you know how to add everything, cross T's and dot I's. It's another thing for you to speak because God has given you the divine authority and mandate to be able to speak. That comes with a lot of power because in the heart of your hearers, the Bible says it stirs in them the most holy emotions and that's persuading them. Whether you are a preacher or you are an engineer or you are a doctor, you need that authority on your life. Because when you speak, it's not only men which hear. That day God was not only speaking to men. Hear him, he was telling the land. Hear him, he was telling the trees. Hear him, he was telling the oceans. Hear him, he was telling the lakes. Hear him, he was telling the rivers. Hear him, he was telling the valleys. Hear him, he was telling the stock exchange market. Hear him, he was telling NFTs and Bitcoin. Hear him, he was telling the technology of this world. Hear him, he was talking to Facebook and YouTube. Hear him, he was talking to your television. Hear him, he was talking to the ground where you stand. Hear him. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible says that without vision, people cast restraint. But what is the primal vision that every man needs? The vision of God. And after understanding who God is, may he give you the vision to understand why you are on this earth. Because when you have that vision, you don't waste time on many things. You're ready to sacrifice and die for many things. You're ready to give and be given for many things. You're ready to sell out yourself for many things concerning the kingdom. Why? Because you know why you are here. You have a vision in life. And everything that comes your way, it comes with a vision of God. When your marriage comes, it comes with a vision of God. When your career comes, it comes with a vision of God. When your dreams come, they come with a vision of God. And how amazing it is that God begins with vision. Vision. At the creation of the earth, he said, let there be light. Because it's the emblem of vision. It's the mind of light. Because with light we see. Without light we are in darkness. And that's what the earth was. It was without form. It was void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. The spirit of the Lord was hovering over it. And God said, this is the first thing I must do. I must bring vision through the creation of light. And it's under that light that everything else is created. When God removes that light, nothing has essence, nature, or form. A tree is a tree because it's under some light. An ocean is an ocean because it's under some light. Not because in its own self it has the ability to carry existence. A mountain is a mountain because it's under some light. If that light left, it would not be a mountain. Everything can cease to be in just the split of a second if God switched off that light. We're under that light. Now the problem with you is you are in the lights created in 14. The, the stars, the moon, the... No, 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 no. Even those ones are under that light, the great light. Oh, glory to God. So when the Bible says that you are the light of the world, the city set on a hill, you are the light of the world. When you are out of the world, the world is actually in utter darkness. That means nothing carries meaning without your existence. Trees are not trees until you say they are trees. Oceans are not oceans until you say they are oceans. Cancer is not cancer until you... Oh, recognize it that it is cancer. That is why the very spirit of deception by Satan is under light. He has appeared. The Bible says no marvel Satan has transformed himself as an angel of 
light. He has transformed. He is not. He's trying to emulate. He's trying to copy the form of light of which he's not because he knows the power of light. What is the power of light? Under it, everything carries the essence and nature of its creation. No man who understands this light can struggle to create. Who understands what I'm saying? No man who understands the way of this light can struggle to create. That is why God asked man, he commanded man in fact, to take the responsibility of being a what? A procreator. To help and stand in the gap. To bring the manifestation of things from the world that is not seen to the world that is seen. But how do you create to the world that is seen or translate to the world that is seen if you carry no vision of the world which is not seen? That is why the revelation of the eternal life is the fundamental definition of God and the knowledge of Jesus. This is eternal life, he says. That you might know the one true God and his only son, Jesus Christ. Eternal life is not that thing you have inherited and are waiting to take when you die. No. Eternal life is the realm of God himself. It's the kingdom of God set on the earth. It's the revelation of God and Jesus Christ. Because without that life revealed, no one or anything can interpret God. He dwells in the realm of eternity. And that's where we all come from to create. And so the vision of God eternally and the things that touch eternity once revealed, you'll now separate why the Bible tells us that the things which are seen are temporal and the things which are not seen are eternal. And yet the things that we see, the Bible says were brought about by things which we do not see. Everything you see on the earth came from the eternal plane. And in there, it has a permanent close. In the physical realm, it's temporary. It can go because this is the fallen world. And because it can go and still carries a permanent representation in the world that is not seen, it doesn't matter how many things leave, it can still stand. It can still appear and be recreated again in the world which is not seen. Because even though they have dealt away with its copy in the world which is seen, it still has its original copy in the world which is not seen. And this signifies the shaking of things that should not remain, that the things that should remain, should remain. Who has understood what I'm saying? Yes. So our bearing is here. That is why when a man lives eternal, with the mindset of the eternal life, that man does not worry about any loss. He knows how to get it back. Who has understood what I just said? He does not worry about any loss. He knows how to get it back. He says the devil comes but steal, kill, and destroy. This is the fallen world, but I am come, he says, that you might have life eternal and have it more abundantly until it were overflows. That's where you live. Somebody say, that's where I live. So when you understand the eternal life, you'll be amazed at how many things you can change. Even when they say it's unchangeable, you'll walk to that thing and say, I'm gonna change it in Jesus' name, and it will change. That's the power that has seen cancers out of your bodies. That is the power that has made the crippled walk. That is the power that has opened the blind eye. That is the power that goes to a deaf ear. And God says, uh -uh, even though it's deaf in the world that is seen, eternally there is an ear that is working. All I need to do is to get the working ear and bring it on the ear of a man in the physical realm. And that man will hear. It's that simple. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you're poor in the physical realm, it doesn't mean in the spiritual you're poor. If you're weak in the physical realm, it ain't mean that you are weak in the spiritual. 
You just need to know how the law of translation happens. How the law of transaction works spiritually. And know how things live here and come here. Understand even your life of prayer. It should be the shifting of things from here to here. But how can you without windows? How can you without the grace and glory of access? How can you without the distinction of light that only can be drawn in the way of truth? How can you? So to live here is true freedom. When you are in true freedom, like I said, nothing lost is truly lost. Can I say it again? When you live in the plane of true freedom, when you understand the eternal life, nothing you have lost is truly lost. So when Satan was crucifying Jesus, <laughs> he knew that Mary had lost a son. The world had lost a savior. That is why when Paul is preaching about this wisdom, he says this wisdom we preach is not as the wisdom of this world, which is brought to nothing, which is brought to naught. Because when you speak the wisdom of this world, things come to an end. They cease to be. But we speak the wisdom of God as in a mystery. Had the princes of this world known this wisdom, he says, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Why? Because Satan would realize he was wasting time. May I decree upon everything that you have lost in the name of Jesus Christ that at the sound of this message, God is going to rebuild everything you have lost by the way of the eternal life working in you through Christ Jesus. If you believe it, say amen. Yeah. Tell your neighbor nothing is truly lost. So when you sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, I was once lost. Where were you found? Were you found in Nakaseke? Were you found in Monrovia? Were you found in Fiji? No, you are found in the eternal realm. You discovered who you are. And now, like Paul says, our conversations are in heaven. From whence we look, we are in the heavenly plains, he says. From whence we look. So you come from there to come and sort earthly issues. And that is why, to understand grace, the beginning of grace is the true vision of God. It's the first dimension of grace. Vision. 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 You must see God. You must have a vision of everything necessary to take you to the next step in life. Somebody shout amen. You need that window for access. And the second dimension, and usually used every time the word hey, H, hey, is used in the middle of a word, it usually signifies the spirit or the dimension of revelation. Let me explain. Those two are different. Not everything you see, you have a revelation of. Do you understand? Not everything your physical eye can see, you have a revelation of. Not everything your physical eye can see, you have an understanding of. Revelation is the realm of understanding. To reconcile what God is showing you to divine purpose. Why he's showing it to you. Did you hear that? The reconciliation of what God shows you to why he is showing it to you. Are you following what I'm saying? Elisha saw Elijah. You remember? When he comes out from the cave. Elijah comes with his mantle. And then hits Elisha. And walks away. 
You see? And when he hits Elisha, casts his mantle on him, Elisha says, oh, I think I might follow. But he didn't have the full understanding that that mantle also came with a deeper instruction. He did not have a full revelation. He had it in bits. Then he tells him, you know what? Allow me to go back to my family. Go kiss my father. Go kiss my mother. And then I'll come and follow you. And then this man tells him, go. For what have I done to you? He's trying to tell him, if you have not picked the full revelation of what has been cast upon you, then you're not even worth taking the next inheritance of the prophetic line of Israel. Elisha picked it spiritually. He killed the animals from that day and followed this man. Many people do not imagine if Elisha had said, let me go, please. And then the prophet ironically tells him, ah, you go. I mean, what have I done to thee? Huh? And then the man goes to what? To say bye to his father and mother. Should he have done that if he came back, Elijah would have gone long ago because that kind of mandate does not kiss its father goodbye. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. <laughs> now I understand why Jesus says, I came to put a sword between father and, and son, mother and daughter. I'm not saying that you should separate from your families, but I'm only trying to tell you that never find yourself in a place where your family conflicts with the mandate of God on your life. If you ever get to that level, choose God. Did you understand? I'm not saying don't relate with your family. No. My father is here and mother. I visit them every time. We talk on phone every week. But I'm saying, if you ever get to a point where your family gets in place of the mandate of God on your life, choose God. I know it's conflicting, especially when you come from a family that doesn't understand these things. Why do you be always praying? Oh, they will understand. I was also asked those questions one day. Why are you always in church? I was also asked those questions one day. Now, they're also in church every week. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because it was not only for my salvation, it was the salvation of my house too. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you, your families choose to get together on Sunday. They choose programs on... When... Do you understand? Let me choose other days. Pray and God will help you. But some of you, you've chosen men ahead of God. Somebody comes to Jesus and tells him, oh, your brothers and sisters are out there waiting for you. He asks them, who are my brothers? Do you think Jesus then respect them? He does. He loves his family. But he's trying to tell them that the way and desire of the kingdom is more important than any relationship on the earth. And that's a hard one. Because like I said, many are called, but few are chosen. If you're taking the course of the chosen, there are decisions you will make for the sake of the kingdom. This is a hard one. And I know somebody unstable might misuse it to break up a household they're not supposed to break up. I pray that may God give you the wisdom to tell the difference. Yeah, because sometimes I fear to talk the truth and be misunderstood by the unstable or to refuse to tell the truth so I save the unstable one and I find that that's not fair to the stable one. So I choose to speak for the stable. When the fanatic comes in, we shall deal with that later because we have its language. But let's serve some people in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. To have a vision and, and window to access things is different from having a revelation of those things and reconciling them to the mandate that you have with God. And that's the second dimension, the second pillar, I might call it. To have 
an understanding, to have a revelation of the things God has shown you, of the things you have seen in God, of the things you have accessed by God. You see what I'm saying? Abram stays Abram until the hay comes in the middle. And the hay which comes in the middle becomes Abraham. Are you following what I'm saying? And it's then that he becomes a father of nations. In Genesis 17, he says, For your name from today shall not be Abram, but Abraham. He says, verse 5, he says, Your name shall neither be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. I have made thee. Not I will make thee. I have made thee a father of many nations. And then he tells him how his seed shall inherit the earth. And look at how amazing the spirit of revelation is. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 16, he says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He says not unto seeds as of many, but as of one unto thy seed, which is Christ. And verses 29, and if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That is revelation. That through Abraham, God unveiled Christ. Through Abraham, God revealed Christ. When he comes to him and tells him, I have blessed you and made thee a father to many nations. And he says, and your seed shall inherit the earth. Your seed shall be blessed upon the earth. Paul picks the revelation of that seed. And he says, when he was talking to Abraham, he was not talking to seeds as of many biological children, but he was talking about seed as of one, which is Jesus Christ. And if you are of Christ, then are you Abraham's seed according to the promise? He's saying that if you are Abraham's seed, then you are Christ. And if you are Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. Ooh 29, if ye be Christ's comma, then are ye Abraham's seed, not seeds, plural, and heirs according to the promise. What does that mean? 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 You are, by reason of the seed of Abraham, you belong to Christ. And by reason of belonging to Christ, you are Christ. Eh? Blasphemy! Apostle, blasphemy! What are you saying? Some guy had me say that once and then he said, hey, you know those people, they are God. They worship themselves. Hey, hey. What's wrong with you? When we're worshiping, are we worshiping ourselves? No, we're worshiping God. We know the difference between the head and the body, but we are the body. <laughs> Glory! That's why Jesus can't get flu. Jesus can't die of sickness. Jesus cannot fall sick. Glory to God! And then one man accused and said, hmm, but they say they don't fall sick. We don't. But how come you are in hospital? No, it was her body, not her. <laughs> that is why I cannot say that I am sick. Your body can have issues, but you cannot say I am sick. The Bible says the inhabitants of that land, none shall say that I am sick, for he shall forgive of all their world iniquities but then because you do not know who you are you wake up and say I am sick 
a born again Christian, it is an error spiritually to say, I have a headache. You who? This is my arm. It's not me. Somebody said, hallelujah. This is my head. It's not me. Ah, 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 ah. No, no. You can say my body is feeling a headache. But you cannot have, because that's possessing it. Ah, ah, ah. You can't say I am poor. Ah, you can say the money is in the bank. Sorry. And my ATM is lost. The communication of your faith becomes effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ. The moment you start acknowledging fake stuff, you're frustrating your ministry of faith. Philemon 1.6 The communication of your faith becomes effectual as you acknowledge every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ Jesus. Anything Christ doesn't carry, you don't carry. If Christ ain't poor, you ain't broke. If Christ ain't sick, you ain't sick. What if I feel sick? You're just feeling sick, but you're not what? Sick. And the Bible says if you live by the flesh, you'll surely die. But if you buy the spirit, kill the transactions of the body, you shall live. Christian say, you know, I got COVID. Some people want to get soap. And I'm talking about this tableau of Uganda. And put it in their mouth and wash in their mouth and rinse it and tell them, say it right. My body had COVID. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but here is the danger. A human being gets COVID from their body and by speech and confession translates it to their spirit. Why won't you die? I cannot be poor. I don't fall sick. I cannot be weak in the mighty name of Jesus. Now and as you continue to kill the transaction of the body and say this is not me. I cannot die. I cannot die. I cannot die. The body will start saying okay, 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 okay. Hey, <laughs> the violent take it by force. But you know, sometimes I hear Christians praying and I feel sorry for them. Devil in Jesus' name, leave me. I rebuke you, leave me. Yeah! Lock yourself up a bit. And said, no, 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 devil, not this time. Not this time. You played with the wrong one. What's that not a hobby? You understand what I'm saying? You tell the devil, no! So that every demon that comes, it knows. Even in hell, they start conversations. That sister, oh, she's no nonsense. Hey, hey, hey. Paul, we know. We know. How can a demon ask you who are you? Hey, 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 hey. Hell should know you from North Pole to South Pole. From the desert to Antarctica. Hell should know who you are. They should say that in Uganda somewhere. There's a small woman. When she starts to pray. <laughs> not by power. Not by might. But by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. 
So the hay in Abraham introduces us to the spirit of revelation. The eye that sees what God is saying even when some are seeing from the shallow end. Even when some are seeing from the surface. God gives you the grace to dig deeper and get the meaning of things. You become sensitive to things. You become awakened to many things people are not able to what? To be awakened to. To be aligned to. Jacob is praying and God is there and he doesn't know. And eventually he discovers, he says, oh my God, God was here and I knew it not. Understanding. Revelation. God heals. Do you have the revelation of that healing? God delivers. Do you have the revelation of deliverance? God sets free. Do you have the revelation of being set free? God brings wisdom. Do you have the revelation of the wisdom of God? God sustains and upholds. God heals and he transforms. Do you have the revelation of that transformation life? That's the second dimension of grace. And we all need the understanding or revelation of what? of whatever vision that we have accessed by God. It's the only way our seed can be interpreted. It's the only way Abraham would become a father who has understood what I just said. It's the only way Abraham would become a father of Christ. It was the only way. That's the one thing God submitted himself God submitted himself. God became a son to Abraham. Even though he was his Lord. Even though he was his Lord. He became a son of Abraham. A seed. He says, if I am to walk on the earth, I come through this kind. If I am to come to the earth, I own everything. But if I should engage with mankind, I must come through as a seed of this kind of man. Abraham, father to many nations. The revelation of that. That all of those nations that he fathers are all reconciled in one seed, which is Christ. He is the nation. Glory to God. And the last pillar, it is the power to become. The power to become. It's the glory of true conception. It's the glory of true conception. It's the power to become. When you go back to Genesis 17, let's go back to verses 15 now. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah. Now he has come at the end. You see, beginning vision, the window, the spirit, middle is revelation or understanding, at the end is the power to become or the glory of conception. And the H that was in harm in the middle now has come to the end, Sarah H, shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations Kings of people shall be of her. Now, listen to the language. When it came to Abraham, I have made thee. When it came to Sarah, he says, she shall be. Who has gone to the difference? When it came to Abraham, he says, I have made thee a father of nations. When it came to Sarah, 
He said, she shall be a mother of nations. You get the difference? Here, by revelation, when he was called Abraham, he became. He was made. When it comes to Sarah, when the H goes to the end, it is the power to become. She shall be a mother to nations. Was understood it. Why didn't he say, I have made her a mother to nations? Because when it goes to the end, it depicts the power to become. When you get the vision of God and his mandate concerning your life and carry its understanding or the spirit of revelation comes to reconcile that vision to divine purpose, that is or becomes the power to become. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, the power to become is the power that must fulfill everything God has made you to be in the world of men. Do you understand? That's the power that cannot fail you. It cannot fail you. It cannot fail you. Do you understand what I'm saying? And when we get to the life of men, we find that this haze or this revelation of grace sometimes works in the beginning of things in certain instances of our lives when we need vision or a window to see what we must see concerning certain things in our lives. But sometimes it's that which comes in the middle to help us get the revelation and reconcile that which we have seen. And then sometimes again, even though all works are finished from the beginning of the earth, we find that in the world of men, there is a process of progress that molds and weaves without us as we become whatever we are within. When the Bible says, for I know the plans that I have for you, the Hebrew word there for plans is, it's likened to a weaving of a cloth. Your life is like something God is weaving. Yeah, I was born as an apostle, but when I was three, I was not doing my apostolic work. When I was seven or eight, I had not even yet known that that was my office. But known to God that his works from the beginning. He had already called me before I was formed in my mother's womb. He knew me and had adorned me or called me to be a man of God. That was true. But there was a process to become. And the process to become, one was the vision of God, the understanding and revelation of what he had shown me concerning who he is and my mandate on the earth. And that then takes me to the power to become what he has already made me or made of me. You see what I'm saying? Now, there are people who are still here. They're still trying to understand God and their mandate. They don't even know their purpose. There are people who have a revelation and an understanding of who they are in God and their mandate and who God is. And there are people here who have become. They're in the realm of becoming or have become. Every other day, they wake up to a world that is providing for who they are. The winds are blowing for who they are. The waves are responding for who they are. The rivers are flowing for who they are. The economies of the world are discussing and agreeing for who these men are. Plans of men in the secret chambers of their bedroom are all reconciling and all things are working together for the good because they love the Lord. Most importantly, they are called according to his purposes. They have understood the mandate of God on their lives and they're moving every other day and they're like this thing that is unraveling every day. It's just 
a flower that is, you know, blossoming and beautifying and people seeing the strength, the colors, the abilities, the wisdom, the grace, the glories, the influences, everything that pertains to what God has created in them. Every day they become something. And when you understand the power to become, it's not the titles you receive in this world. No, it's the way you are represented in the spirit realm by the things living and the things that are not living. That even when you walk to a tree, it knows who you are. When you walk to a car, it knows who you are. When you walk to a building, brick and mortar, it knows who you are. When you walk to a president, they don't ask who are you. They know who you are. When you enter the office of a king, they know who you are. When you enter anywhere, wherever there is power, he says, they will know who you are. You won't need to introduce yourself to anything. You won't need to. You won't need to. Do you know there are people, wherever they step, they are known. Not because they are bad people or they are murderers or they are controversial. They just have something on their life that introduces them. The crown of glory operating on their life speaks their name even before they enter certain places. And when it speaks, it speaks well. But wherever you enter, wherever you will go, people will look at you and they know you for who you are by God. That's a name. That's the naming that you can receive by God. That's that name that God can put on your life that wherever you will step, something or somebody will introduce you even in the places you least expect to be known. Somebody will say, you're Apostle Emma. I know you. You didn't introduce yourself to them. No. You just built a life with God. You did not go around. You know, that's why. Now, listen. Do I have a Facebook account? No. But people know me. Do I have Instagram? Do I have a smile Twitter? Do I tweet? No. I don't have time to just... No! Some of you should understand this. Get to the place and just be with your God. Just... Turn this thing as you fling between vision to revelation, vision to revelation, vision to revelation. The power to become will become eminent. And whatever God has created you to be will start manifesting forth. This is the glory of conception. Because when conception happens, there is life. The life of a thing begins. That is why we are against abortion. Because the child's life doesn't begin when they are born. It begins when they are conceived. That's the strength Hebrews speaks of as Sarah received strength to conceive seed that brought forth a child for her. It's the power of conception. The mind and life of God is reconciled with your being and purpose. And something beautiful out of that, the God dream starts now to come out and people can see and realize that this woman is not just a businesswoman. She's building a kingdom. This man is not just a doctor. He's building a kingdom. This woman is not just selling groceries. There's a purpose and pattern on her life that is different. Let me say this before I finish. We were all created to not only touch but change this world. To leave a mark that goes beyond families and communities. Every man and woman at the sound of my voice has the ability to leave a mark in the world to the world. The seed of greatness that resides inside of you 
knows no boundaries of color, skin, tribe, education, credentials, credibilities, abilities, potentials, skills, talents. It has no bearing with that. Do you know you can actually choose to walk and live in greatness? He tells our father, I shall make thee great. I shall make thee a great nation. A great nation. That's the seed of greatness. I know that not many of us will go up there. But I also submit to you that that place exists. Not many of us will reconcile and agree with it because of unbelief. But that seed in God exists. Something can start in your life this very second. And in a few days, a few years, a few months, you will become something. You will become something. Somebody receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Do you know there are people in this world who are nothing? The world doesn't know their name. They don't have any bearing in the spirit. They have no... They don't even have an ounce of influence. Except maybe in the family. Some of them even in their family, they don't carry a name. Open your mouth and speak to God. You must become... Come on, let's pray. While you wait, she said, you know, no lie. Tene mukama. Kono wongo labye. Echo, she said, you know, no Chitanga <laughs> Help me quiet.
you have not yet that there is a greater glory ahead of you there is a greater weight of glory that's going to unwrap you even deeper and higher than you ever dreamed Father, we know that we can become more than we've seen. It's the metamorphosis, the stages of life. The Bible says that we are conformed to the very image. We are metamorphosed to the very image. And that perfect man in us shall be to the stature and the measure, full stature and measure of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Quicken us. I sense a consecration that is unusual. I see somebody die to the flesh and live to the spirit. God use us. God use us. We should not die. We should not leave this world without fulfilling everything that we must become. There are prophets whose lips are shut. Open them tonight. Open their eyes tonight. Open their visions tonight. Power of the Holy Ghost! Give them understanding. There are apostles that are hidden. May the power that raised you from the dead 
resurrect everything that man had killed. There are teachers who are silent. They've even had dreams and they're trying to talk, but their mouth cannot open. Tonight I command the power that opens those lips with understanding. The evangelists that are not functional. There are preachers that are not functional. Father God, may the power to become come upon them. There are men and women here with the answers for the world. And the world is in trouble because they are hidden. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that may they be revealed. May they be unveiled to fulfill the mandate that you've called them to be. There are people here who are satisfied with where they are and what they have. And yet you have more for them. May you open their eyes to see how much there is in you and cause them to hunger where men are satisfied so they will become what they must become in Jesus name if you're there and you've never given your life to Christ wherever you want you say I want to give my life to Jesus you're going to repeat these words after me say Lord Jesus I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory tonight I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I am born again. I receive your vision, your revelation, and the power to become. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our week fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.